Thank you for tuning in to this session. I'm Dr. Rosling and pleased to have two guests from AIC with us to share on our community and outreach services in Singapore. Hi, Pralin and Singi. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, good afternoon. I'm Singi from Care Integration and Operational Division. I'm a care consultant and I'm based at AIC Link at Tantok Singh. Uh, I'm a nurse by training. My role at the counter is to assist senior and caregiver in navigation between health and social care. I also support the hospital on discharge planning, ensure end-to-end -end process from assessment, gatekeeping, and raising referral in the hospital till service placement. Mm. Okay, hi, hi. Uh, my name is Pui Ching. I'm with the Primary and Community Care Development Division. Um, AIC, Agency for Integrated Tech. Um, so uh, this is my fourth year in AIC. So we are, my, my portfolio is mainly service development. So typically before, um, so, so over time as the care needs evolve, we need to actually review the services that we have and then we need to enhance them over time to meet the evolving care needs. And we also, as we better understand the care needs, we are also in like constantly reviewing, uh, constantly developing new services that to 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 plug whatever service gaps that we notice. So a very big part of my role is uh, conceptualizing services, and then work with service providers to uh, implement them, and then we study them because. Uh, we are actually taking a rather evidence-based approach, meaning before we, we roll it out on a larger scale, it is important that we uh, do a few things. Uh, number one is we under we need to understand the preconditions that are required for certain things to succeed. So if you, for example, if you want, uh, we want our service providers to be uh, providing certain, certain care or uh, to work uh, to, to do a certain care model, right, to, 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 to provide care in a certain way, you then need to under, we then need to find out, okay, what are the input and resources that we need to put in place? What are the training needed, the capability building that are needed? Um, and then after that, we, we, we ramp it up and then we evaluate them and then we make improvement along the way. So this is so that when we scale it up, the service model is in a sense, uh, more, more, it, it is really um, implementable, scalable, and people find it useful. La. So that is pretty much what I do in AIC. Before that, I was with the RHS, um, National Healthcare Group, and, um, and the National Healthcare Group Polyclinics. I'm a pharmacist by training, by the way. Right. And um, just so you, it's very interesting, you mentioned things like uh, you, uh, you are um, pretty much involved in how the services uh, will be uh, evaluated and structured according um, to the health um, status of our population. Is there any particular parameters that you actually look out for um, to monitor to see whether the health services are actually well utilized or needs to be readjusted? The current population we are serving uh, is mostly elderly. Yeah. So uh, I, I think first of all, right, we we have to have a good sense of the needs on the ground. So um, 
information can come from various sources. Uh, for example, feedback from the ground, uh, feedback from our hospital colleagues. There are also statistics made available, right? Like we, we would know, okay, in a certain region, there are actually more elderly residing in certain region. Then we also know of the centers are occupancy are very high. We, we then need to plan more services or increase the capacity for certain region. So, so these are some of the, the parameters that we are looking at as we plan services. But a lot of time, I must say, right, it, it really depends on information sources from everywhere. You know, some of the demographic shift, we know that people are living longer, the family unit is shrinking. So, so with some of these things, you then, you know, work on better supporting caregiver, you know, because we know the changing demographic that we are seeing. So these are some of the, the data points that we are looking at. Right. So, Singy, so um, can you just share with us, right, um, some of the uh, community-based services that is available? So, there are center-based services and home-based services. Uh, center-based services will be daycare, dementia daycare, and day rehabilitation. So, daycare center is uh, to promote aging in place for frail and or physical uh, physically disabled seniors in the community, example, senior who has frequent fall at home, or patients staying with a caregiver who needs to work in the daytime. In short, is to provide support and respite to the family or caregivers. Lah. And for dementia, daycare center is for senior who is diagnosed with dementia by a registered doctor. The center will have mind simulation activities to slow down the deterioration of the elderly physical and mental function. And uh, it also supports seniors in the community and task delay institutionalization and task delay institutionalization. So caregivers will send their loved ones to the center for activities in the morning and bring their loved ones back home in the late afternoon or evening, depending on the center operating hours. And for day rehab center, um, their aim is to improve restore and or to prevent deterioration of functional uh, functional abilities of the elderly through a customized sessional rehabilitation program at the center and the client must be certified as uh, suitable and can be benefit from the rehab to improve his or her functional status lah, by either a Singapore Meds, uh, Singapore Medical Council registered doctor or a full registered therapist from Ally Health Professional Council or a Singapore Nursing Board Registered Advanced Practice Nurse. And the validity of the period of the certification is six months. And therapists at the center will then assess the patient and determine how many sessions the patient will need to attend. Per session is usually about 30 to 45 minutes. And for home-based services like home medical home nursing and home rehabilitation is for homebound patients. And what is homebound, uh, what is home medical? Uh, home medical is scheduled doctor home visit uh, for uncomplicated acute or subacute or chronic disease management. And they provide prescription for medication top up. So the doctor will schedule uh, visit once every quarterly. 
and they do not do ad hoc services like weekly visiting, uh, specialist review. They also do not see clients who require close or frequent monitoring. Uh, for example, titrating of insulin, palliative cases uh, with less than three months of prognosis. And for home nursing, uh, will be a nurse visiting the patient to follow up chronic illnesses, to perform procedure like change of urine catheter of, or uh, feeding tube, uh, medication packing, wound care, health education, teaching the caregivers on how to monitor blood pressure or uh, blood glucose. Uh, so home nurse do not provide daily injection, uh, ad hoc service or standby service, uh, changing of invasive mm -hmm. tube that require videoscopy or x-ray. Uh, they also do not change uh, newly inserted trachea or PEG, uh, percutaneous endoscopic uh, gastrosomy. Uh, they also do not provide weekend service. La. And home therapy uh, is a form of active rehabilitation provided in a total of 18 sessions over six months. And the client must be assessed to be unsuitable or unable to receive rehab at a community hospital or other center-based rehab facility for any of the following reasons like uh, clinical conditions that render the homebound and inhibit uh, and inhibit them from attending center-based rehab, example uh, like low sitting tolerance, or there's a lack of barrier-free access from the client's house to the center-based rehab, or there's no available caregiver, escort, transport service to bring them uh, to bring the clients to and from the center safely. Nah. So uh, what is our homebound criteria is that the patient must not be able to leave the home or navigate safely within his or her neighborhood uh, due to number one, lack of barrier-free access from his or her home. Number two, patient have mental or cognitive impairment, dementia and physical conditions. Uh, number three, vision impairment with history of fall in a community. Number four, hemodyna hemodynamic instability, example, unstable blood pressure, heart rate, or patients suffering from uh, severe chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or other symptoms like uh, giddiness, fainting, shortness of breath. Uh, lastly, number five, severe pain limited, uh, severe pain limiting mobility even after taking strong painkillers. So our home health service is not an ad hoc or emergency service. If they need ad hoc service, they will need to call private uh, service provider or to visit the A&E. And senior can, those seniors who can still use wheelchair or motorized wheelchair to go out to the community, we will always encourage them to continue to be active in the community. Thank you, Xing Yi. Yeah, you have provided us with a very comprehensive overview of what AIC service has provided. I think that is awesome because I, I think it, it seems to cover a uh, majority of the needs of our society, especially so when they are in need of um, uh, facilities and resources uh, after uh, having uh, suffering from conditions. So how are all these services you know, being coordinated 
and integrated in the care of our elderly. Okay. Um. Today, the they are they are we are actually doing it in different ways. So, it, it, AIC as an agency was set up by the Ministry of Health to oversee and coordinate and facilitate integration of elder care services. Um. In fact, I think we 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 have been in existence for more than a decade now. So we started out off as a small unit and then incorporatized because that there is. We, we see the needs, right, and therefore a dedicated entity is required to do that service coordination. I understand AIC actually started as a unit doing nursing home placement, but but yeah, and then it evolved over time and the scope expanded. And then in recent year, uh, you know, AIC has merged with the Silver Generation Office. So the Silver Generation Office is the, the outreach arm today. And then we have 16 satellite office, uh, civil generation satellite office on the ground. Um, and then, so so when it comes to service coordination, service integration, I think the first point is um, need, knowing the needs, right? So how do we get to know the needs on the ground, the needs in the community? It is actually through uh, our outreach arm. So uh, we have volunteers, uh, we call them civil generation ambassadors. They reach out to the seniors, right? They, they go door knocking. And that's how we then, the, the first step is creating awareness and then knowing they are also doing some kind of screening to pick up needs. And then those needs are then being uh, are being uh, brought back to, that means that whatever needs that we uncover, uh, it was then, uh, being channeled to the relevant party. We have this community networks for seniors also. So these are these are people who then link the, the people up to the services that they need. So that is the, the really the, the first point, right? Um, and then in the hospitals, for those who are admitted to the hospitals, they are actually um, the the care the care link office. So this is an office that um, that uh, provide advice counseling and services in terms of um in terms of the services that may be suitable for the the clients that we are seeing the schemes that are available to help them so i think is actually from that office from that division and then for inpatient we have a raffle teams that go to the hospital ward and then work with the the um the the, the doctors and the nurses in the ward before the as part of the discharge planning uh, to kind of facilitate the elder um, to go to go home uh, to uh, to go home and then to put in place the services that can support them after the discharge. So these are just some of the, the uh, some of the things that we are doing. And then recently, we also launched a new baseline service model. So so under this new uh, baseline service model we basically consolidated uh, active aging, befriending, and care information and referral services into these active aging centers uh, and active aging care hubs so that we can cater to elderly, um, to elderly regardless of their income and frailty. So it's really regionalized care. Um, and then um, getting a, uh, the anchor provider to oversee the different aspects of care, putting everything under under one roof. Um, yeah, so so in that way, it kind of tightened the integration and the coordination by region. 
and we are expecting to have about 280 centers island-wide by 2024. Yeah, so, so these are just some of the, the ways and means to tighten the integration. At the program, at the service level, we also have this thing called the Integrated Home and Daycare Program. So uh, for seniors with very complex care needs in multiple domains, uh, we have one dedicated provider looking after the senior uh, in all aspects. So doing the case management, the coordination. So a, a senior with very complex care needs, right? Just by going, uh, those who is in this program, uh, they can go to the centers on days they are well. But when they do need home care, the same provider will be coordinating and providing the home care services to them at home. Uh, and if meals are needed, transports are needed, the provider are also doing the coordination. So it's really one provide one anchor provider as a custodian of care, uh, as a captain of care uh, for for seniors with very complex care needs. Um, there's also another services another service called the community case management service so this is a group of um, case managers social worker and nurses working together to kind of help uh, clients with very complex social and medical needs to do service mapping to link them up to the various services um, and typically under we call it ccms like, typically under this service they would be holding the, the client for around six months to make sure the condition has stabilized before they discharge the client from this case management service. So these are all the, the services and the system level changes that are happening to tighten the integration and the collaboration. Right, right. And um, thank you for sharing. And Pooja, you mentioned that um, all this information, right, right, I mean, all, all these services needed a referral. So um, what I understand is that we, we, we have a different uh, form of referring um, platform. You know, it could be either from the hospitals um, where the nurse or doctor will raise a referral or they will try to activate the AIC referral management team. Uh, would like to just understand this RMT. How does this work? So yeah, um, referral management team, uh, we will uh, usually receive the referral from the wards and clinics or even uh, hard copy referral from uh, when the clients submit to us. So, uh, so the doctors, the nurses, the therapists or the social worker will do the recommendation to the patients and caregiver and activate the service online, like I mentioned, and, and to our team. La. So um, they can also ask doctor to fill in the referral form and, and submit or email to AIC link or to our AIC inquiries email. And uh, if patients or caregivers is in doubt, they can approach us at AIC link at the restructured hospital or call our hotline or visit our AIC website. La. So after the referral source uh, submit the referral to AIC, the referral management team will review and assess the case and we will then assign to the relevant service provider based on uh, patient's medical needs and preference. And the service provider from the community will then arrange assessment with the patient 
and the service provider will then continue to provide uh, the, the care for the patient in the community. Mm. So you were saying a referral um, actually can be done through the clinics. I'm just curious to know that, for example, referral coming from clinics, they are usually being associated with private referral. So will that actually uh, have an impact on elderly who actually require subsidized referral? Yeah, so uh, even GP clinics, the private clinics, they fill in our AIC referral form, they still can get the government subsidies. Yeah, as long as they go through AIC, we will then look at their means test. Um, household means test and see whether the patient is eligible for yeah from the government yes so that's a very good piece of information because usually all these referrals will have to be conducted through hospitals in order to have that subsidized rate but actually in clinics can also provide that same uh, subsidy platform as well and also you have the third platform on reaching the AIC which is the direct uh, link counter or they can actually call the AIC uh, hotline or through the website. For such referrals, how do they actually get subsidized rate? So, so I think we have to take subsidy and uh, service eligibility separately. First of all, for, for services, for example, home medical, you, you need to have a doctor memo in order to raise that referrals because the doctor would then certify that this person is homebound and it, he needs home medical services. So that is service eligibility. But I think subsidy, it's a, it's a separate matter. It's under the means testing framework. So that takes into consideration the household's per capita income. So you have to look at it separately. You can be eligible for a service, but because of your household income, you are not eligible for government subsidy. Right, right. So we need to say that regardless of the source of referral, um, you are actually eligible for subsidies as long as your means test uh, that is being carried out uh, puts you into the criteria of receiving one. And um, could you share some other schemes or grants that can actually help to defray the cost of caring for our, our elderly? So monetary assistance like home caregiver grants, uh, foreign, foreign domestic worker levy concession, casual life and medisave for disabled uh, senior can also help to defray the cost of caring for seniors. So like for home caregiving grants, it's a 200 cash assistance uh, for, for per month for the care of a patient at home, uh, for Singapore citizen or permanent resident having parents, child or spouse who is a Singapore citizen and at least moderate disability. Uh, household income per person is 2008 or less or annual value of the property uh, for household without income is 13,000 or less. Uh, live in Singapore, not residing in a long-term care institution, for example, a nursing home, uh, they, they, they can apply for this home caregiving grant. And for, for, for foreign domestic worker grant, uh, for foreign domestic worker levy concession, for person with disability uh, is lower levy of $60 per month for a household which hires a foreign domestic worker to care for a patient aged between 17 to 66 years old, a Singapore citizens at least mild disability, live in Singapore, 
patient is living with a helpless employer and uh, we have casual life for casual life policy holder they can receive from $600 per month in 2020 for life and the patient must have at least severe disability and uh, our very new uh, grant that is called the Medisafe Care for Singapore citizen or permanent resident, they can receive up to $200 per month from his or her own uh, Medisafe account and or from their spouse Medisafe account. So as long as they are age 30 and above and have at least severe disability, uh, they can receive up to $200 per month. And so what are the different uh, level of disability? Uh, is for mal-disability, uh, is that the patient needs, requires, uh, the patient requires some assistance with at least one activities of daily living. And uh, activities of daily living include uh, feeding, bathing, toileting, dressing, moving, uh, and transferring. Uh, and for moderate disability is always require some assistance with at least three activities of daily living. And for severe is unable to perform at least three activities of daily living. Thank you so much for sharing about all these um, grants and schemes where our elderly can actually apply for to help them in their care. So moving forward that in within AIC, other than the services and resources that has been put into place, and I can see there's a trend of people like going towards uh, technology-based kind of interventions. Um, is it the same for AIC as well? You, you start to see people using um, maybe apps to track certain things and all that, right? So I think that is the health aspect of things. But I think over time, uh, I think partly because of COVID-19, we are also seeing more people using uh, apps uh, like like video call platforms to, to communicate to communicate with their friends and family. So when you are using the different technology to socialize, to connect with people, maybe even discuss issues with your family, with your friends, you get advice. All of that to me is part of self-management using the very common software that we know. So if I go, if I take a step back, uh, uh, the very old school technology that we are talking about, maybe things like blood pressure monitor, like glucose monitor, you have to go to the doctor. But today, if you, if you are very motivated, right? What you need to do what you can do is you you take your medication you monitor your bp so so i think those are actually uh, very traditional technology that we are talking about there are also a lot of applications on our phone that allow us to track our daily level of activity our sleep quality among other things right and then for seniors who are living alone they are home monitoring technology so you have sensor at home uh, detecting falls and then um, and then trigger the caregivers or, or emergency respondents when uh, there, there is a potential adverse incident at home, right? So all these are technology. Um, and then if you are talking about telehealth, uh, what I'm seeing is um, because of, uh, I think COVID-19 has really catalyzed it quite a bit. 
right? Especially during the circuit, circuit breaker. So, you know, because centers are closed and we are trying to, um, you know, limit uh, the movement of healthcare worker across the settings. So we, we started seeing uh, nursing homes and the hospitals uh, using telehealth as a form of maybe providing consultations to the resident. And I, in the center, when the center were closed during the circuit breaker, we saw our providers offering um, some kind of recreational and, and social activities to the clients when they when the clients are home-based, are like based in home. We saw um, uh, for, for various services, there are different level of telehealth adoption, but definitely we are seeing more and more of such uh, mode of care delivery. Um, I think uh, we are, we are going, we will likely continue to see this uh, grow um, at, at different pace. Uh, but I think maybe what is very, very important for us to note is, right, whatever um, technology that we are using, at the end of the day, it should not replace a proper clinical consult. Um, and those who are using viable tools, especially those uh, apps on the phone, right? We need to be quite careful, like, because it, it should it should really because these are not medical devices. So if you are using it, I think for a rather healthy person, it's okay. But if you are talking about a frail elderly, then all this technology should only be used to complement care, and not to substitute a proper, uh, you know, proper physical visit or proper diagnosis by a medical professional yeah right right it seems like um technology is not something new as you have said no uh, it has already started but it's just really it's really about the type of technology that uh, we are being exposed to and of course with the evolution of new advancement that's where we can actually infiltrate the use of technology uh, and bring patients closest to us. So, so technology in some way enhanced the self-management among our elderly. Do you have any uh, challenges and you would like to share with the uh, people here, appreciate how AIC is it's providing the services to us? Oh, uh, I wanted to mention that a lot of time, um, caregivers always thought that Oh, um, AIC can provide home services, but um, they, uh, I think their expectation must be uh, because the service, uh, the service is really for homebound patients and not for patients who still can go out, uh, even with their wheelchair or motorized wheelchair. So, like for example, if patient. Uh, they still can go out. We do want to encourage them to to still continue to be active in the community rather than to stay at home, wait for the service to come. Actually, our, our aim is to encourage them to, to be active in the community, to socialize. Yeah, so building on Singyi's uh, point about caregivers as well, I, I echo the part about socialization. I think the public, I think we need to be very, we need to be aware of the importance of socialization. I think as, as we age, sometimes our social circle strings as well. So it's important that we, we continue to expand our social circle 
you know, get make friends, do activities, whether or not you, you do it in the senior activity centers. And then when you get a bit frailer, uh, go to senior care center. But I think the, the part about going out and widening the social circle for mental health, for overall well-being is so important. And the other thing that I think it's very, very important is also care in caregivers' involvement in, in care. La. Because the very big part of that social relationship uh, is actually the ones that, that we build with our close ones, our family, our caregiver. So, so I think the sometimes I think our our providers will be able to do better if caregivers are more involved, uh, and then there is a a constant communication, seeking to understand what each other, where what what each other are trying to do, where we are coming from, sharing information that are important in the care of the client. You know, so so because after all, whether or not the seniors are going to the center or or when the care when the carer is going to the home, I think the the interface is the transient one, and maybe the dimension that we are seeing it's very limited. So I think for seniors with cognitive impairment, right, all the more important, the caregiver role is even more important. So I think the the involvement of caregiver in uh, the care, it's is is and then the 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 collaboration and the cooperation between uh, the partnership uh, between the caregiver, the client as well as the care provider, is something that is very very critical. Thank you both for providing us the information. Community services and resources are important pillars of the healthcare system to ensure care continuity and support for our people. With a wide range of services and resources, seamless coordination is important to ensure that these are allocated timely to the right site. Therefore, healthcare providers shared the responsibility in educating the people and setting the right mindset for services and resources to be utilized more effectively and efficiently to minimize wastage. I'm Dr. Roslyn, and I thank you once again for joining us.